Hello, hello, beautiful people. Welcome back to another wonderful episode of DQ with Damani. This is your host, the one, the only, the undefeated D-A-F-A-N-I. And yes, we had a wonderful weekend of boxing. The World Championship Contest between Berbiev and Smith was impressive. I am once again coming here to deliver you the best boxing, combat sports, lifestyle news, and analysis around the world. Yes, sir. Now, we're going to start the exact opposite of how we started last week. We're not going to start smoky. We're not going to start super energetic. We're going to take the small bits first and get into the bigger as we progress. And yes, we do have some heat coming your way. Wow. I am not sure what is going down over at Golden Boy, but Oscar De La Hoya has been working overtime. I swear. It's something about something something about the Mexican fools. Something something about the fools. They they got it going on right now. Jojo Diaz and Floyd Schofield has been announced. We are not entirely sure if that is going to be a headliner. I most certainly hope that it is. Floyd Schofield deserves it. Of course, we discussed on the DQ with Damani website in our weekly articles that Floyd Schofield has only had the chance to headline once, and that happened by chance because Virgil Ortiz ended up getting sick was hospitalized and was not able to return to fight in time. So Floyd had the chance to headline in front of his hometown crowd. It was wonderful. He got the knockout finish. Everybody was very happy with that. But now he is facing a veteran. Jojo Diaz at 135. I can't sugarcoat it, y'all. He was a beast at one point in time. He really was. Everybody was backing Jojo Diaz. But of course, He's taken a few losses, and now the general consensus surrounding JoJo's career is that he is a Mexican gatekeeper. Of course, there's nothing wrong with that. Let's let's start there. There is absolutely nothing wrong with being a gatekeeper. Boxing, MMA, and Muay Thai, all three of them need gatekeepers. Wrestling, not so much. But those three core combat sports need gatekeepers. There must be gatekeepers because if you have prospects automatically getting thrown to the Lions, you won't be sure if they have the cojones to be able to step up and fight. When they're put in deep waters against the gatekeeper, that is the test to see whether or not they're ready for the elite. You can't take a prospect and automatically just toss him into a world championship fight. The fight against the gatekeeper is what will show whether or not he is prepared for world-level competition. And a lot of times we've seen that. That has happened before. In MMA, for example, that boy, Donald, the cowboy, Cerrone, ended up slaughtering Alex Hernandez. You cannot say that that was not a slaughter. He killed him in that. I I, I, I don't even want to discuss what happened in that fight. If you know, you know. He got mauled. And that is the prime example of why you should not do that with a prospect in MMA. In boxing. This is another one. This, this, This one was just heartbreaking, but I'll discuss it for just a little while. I know a lot of people remember this one. And um, 
it, it still hits hard to even discuss it, but uh, Pritchard Colon, that that man was thrown to the Lions against Terrell Williams. Williams was undefeated. He had never been stopped, never been hurt in a fight. He was undefeated. And that fight was just purely representative of why you don't do that to a young fighter. Of course, you want your fighter to be challenged. Of course, there is without a doubt a need for a fighter to be challenged throughout his career. That is very, very necessary. But that was just a bad matchup paired with the fact that Williams just kept hitting him in the back of the head over and over and over again. It it, it, it was just so so emotionally draining to watch and to even know now that Colon he's never going to be the same again because of that because against the better judgment of his friends and family they still put him in that fight it will forever serve as an example of why you don't do that to a prospect earlier I mentioned that the general consensus on Jojo's career at the present is being a Mexican gatekeeper. That is the case only because of the back-to-back-to-back losses that he had recently. 2021, he fought Devin Haney, lost by 12-round unanimous decision for the WBC lightweight title. That fight was very good. It was a solid challenge for Devin Haney, but of course, he ended up losing that fight and losing it because he was not aggressive enough. He got his ass cooked. He got cooked. You didn't go down like that, He got cooked. He gassed out. He was not aggressive. And that was the start of the signs of trouble for JoJo. And I feel a lot of people neglect that part of JoJo's career. The fact that he has continuously shown that he doesn't really have the gas tank to go a full 12 rounds with somebody who's as offensively active as him. Let's not cap. We have to keep it 100 on the DQ with Damani podcast. JoJo is a pressure fighter. There is no denying that. He applies pressure throughout every single round. And unfortunately, when that pressure doesn't work, he gasses himself out. So I hope sincerely hope that he has been training his cardio in the gym way more frequently because it seems like when he gets off to a good start he has everything set in stone in the earlier half of the fight all of that energy that he has just dissipates in the second half which causes him to lose unfortunately there 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 are a lot of other fighters who we can discuss who have the same exact problem but the main person who I can say in the lower divisions right now who's going through that is Jojo. So this fight with Floyd Diaz is going to be very challenging for him because Floyd is one of those fighters. I'm not going to say that he is the exact same as Devin Haney, but I'm going to say that he is very similar in the way that they can outbox their opponents or they can work on the inside of their opponents. They can force you to fight whatever fight they want you to, to, to participate in. And that right now is going to be the biggest issue for Jojo, not conforming to the type of fight that his opponent wants him to participate in. If he is going to be in a pressure fighting situation in fighting with Floyd Schofield, that is going to favor him. But at the same time, we have to understand 
the head movement and the activity are going to have a major effect on how this fight goes down. And I think that JoJo's coaches should be preparing for that. If they aren't, it's going to show and it's going to be very, very clear to both the audience and Floyd. So with that being said, I definitely want to see JoJo at least put up a wonderful fight for Floyd because we know that Floyd, he's he's coming for the top 10. He is on his way to the top 10. And once he breaks through, it's anybody's game. Because right now we have fights happening for the IBF. WBA championship is locked up with Tank. WBC, I believe, is still with Shakur. There have not been any fights announced for Shakur yet. So it's sticking with him. And I, I I don't see anybody right now going crazy for the WBO belt. So it's all going to depend on who wants it the most. So I think this is going to be the first time that we have ever confirmed a fight and received news that a fight is canceled in the same episode. As I am speaking to you all right now, we have just received word from Floyd Schofield that the fight between himself and Jojo Diaz at 135 pounds is canceled. Yes, you heard that right. This fight is canceled. And according to Floyd Schofield, the fight is canceled because Jojo Diaz priced himself out and he is scared of the fact that he is undefeated. Now, we do have to take the second half with a grain of salt because we, you know, have to admit that a lot of fighters who get in the ring and challenge young fighters have to consider the fact that they are going up against somebody who has way less experience than they do. But at the same time, they are still a dangerous fighter because they may have knockout power, because they may have skill that reflects that they might be at the next level ahead of them. So naturally, a fighter may not want to put himself in a situation unless he knows that he is going to be financially compensated. Now, I do have to keep it a beam. That does make you a duck. Just because your <laughs> reason for not fighting is rational does not mean that you are a duck. So the same exact situation happened between Pitbull Cruz. The same situation happened between himself and pretty much... As far as we know now, we haven't heard Frank Martin's entire side of the story, but the same thing happened between Frank Martin and Shakur. So at 135 pounds, we have a lot of guys who just don't want to fight each other. And it's become increasingly just disappointing to discuss. And I was very happy to announce this fight for you guys because I know a lot of people are starting to miss out on the guys who are prospects right now because they may not be fighting top-class competition just yet. And this fight was going to be just that. A fighter who is a gatekeeper but is still considered in the elite world top-class conversation fighting a rising prospect. And we have just been robbed of that because Jojo Diaz priced himself out. So, fight's canceled, y'all. My apologies. On a much more positive note, I do want to get you guys the news regarding Sonny Edwards. He did lose by knockout to Bam Bam Rodriguez. That fight was amazing. A Mexican versus a Brit. 
that fight was exciting and it exemplifies exactly why people need to watch the lower weight classes. I come on this show and I tell you guys pretty much every single week that the younger, smaller guys, they're cooking right now. They are cooking. The lower weight classes are cooking. Heavyweight right now, while fights are still you know being worked out they take way too long and people are getting frustrated myself included it's time that people start to shift their focus to the younger guys to the lower weight classes because they are making stuff happen now while Sonny did lose he is looking to get back in the ring and i want you guys to just take a listen to what he had to say about it roll it yeah i felt like i was very conscious and aware of everything that was happening in the fight all the way up to the uh getting put down and my corner stopping the fight. I can remember it quite vividly. Um, I said straight after the fight, my eye went in the second and it made a very challenging fight. I don't want to say impossible, but that's what it felt like. Things I can normally see, slight, slight movements in the shoulder as they start throwing a punch, range. I just, I didn't have any of that. So it sounds like Sonny has pretty much accepted the fact that the fight didn't go his way, did not go the way that he expected it to. And a lot of the tools of the trade that he has used in prior fights just were not applicable to the fight with Rodriguez. And unfortunately, it seems like there are a lot of guys who aren't willing to reach that stage of acceptance. There are a lot of guys who just sit there and they tell you, yeah, I was going to win the fight. I was going to do this. I was going to do that. Sonny is the exact opposite. He fully understands that he was not able to enact his game plan. He had a plan set and he just wasn't able to follow through with it. There are a lot of guys, like I already said, who are in denial. But it's good to hear Sonny hold himself accountable for the performance. And I very much look forward to seeing him back in the ring again. There are a lot of guys who personally, I, I, I would say, aren't very hype to get back in the ring, but it seems like Sonny is all game, and I'm very much looking forward to see him in the squared circle in the future. Nestor Gibbs. Now, everybody knows the Boxing Voice, arguably the biggest boxing podcast out right now, outside of Brian Custer's, and him, Ringwalk Danny, have both had the game on lock, but their take on this past weekend's fight, Chris Mbili and his opponent coming to an explosive conclusion is very confusing to me. There are obviously the upper, upper, upper ceiling of super middleweights. You got David Morel. You got David Benavides. Of course, Canelo Alvarez, who may or may not be coming down to the tail end of his career very soon. But that is who's next for Chris Umbili. Of course, Canadian, Frenchman, gotta show love, gotta support him. Naturally, there are going to be fighters who are going to want to challenge him for his number one spot. But now it's 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 past that. It's past that. We are very much past that stage where the guys below him should be fighting him. He needs to fight a David Morel. He needs to fight a David Benavides. He needs to fight a Canelo Alvarez. But what is going down with Nestor on the show really paints the picture 
that he may not be ready. I feel the exact opposite, but I just want you guys to hear our boy's take on it. It's it's very interesting, and I respect him as a veteran of the game, both in and out of the ring. But it's just very confusing to hear from other people, especially when I feel the exact opposite. I come on here and I I, I, I speak very candidly about fighters like Chris Umbilly. Me. He looks so limited out. to me. I, I'm, I'm still watching it because this is the one I fell asleep on. But he's just so, he's so like, ugh, ugh. and I feel like anybody that's tight, boom, catch, shoot, or one, two down the pipe. Like, he is so wide. Look, it's like, and it's like, yo, that caveman shit ain't going to work with real fighters. Not in my opinion, you know what I'm saying? But he's strong, right? So that's the appeal. Can the boxer outbox him and can Mabili, you know, run somebody over? Now, to me, it's very interesting that Nestor could say this, considering how many other guys in the division simply cannot box. Yes, I'm going to say it again. A lot of guys in the division cannot box a lot of guys rely on their power if you're going to end up in a power versus power situation with christian and billy you are going to lose it's facts it's facts it's in our facts these facts is in our facts it's in our facts it's facts if you are going to put yourself in a situation where you might just have to box with him it may not go your way either it seems like he can counterpunch on the inside, counterpunch on the outside, and then when he finally has you within range, a very comfortable mid-range action, he is going to bomb you. And that is exactly what happened to Rohan Murdoch on Saturday. He thought that boxing from the outside was going to save him. Unfortunately, it did not. And when push came to shove, he realized that he was going to have to brawl with him. He forced him, just like we spoke of Earlier, with Jojo Diaz, Floyd Schofield, Christian Mbili is no different. Absolutely no different. He's going to force you to fight the kind of fight that he wants you to. When you're in that ring, you are his subject. And there is no other way around that. There is none. Now, is he invincible? Absolutely not. Nope. Can his chin be touched? Absolutely. This fight with Rohan showed that. Rohan was throwing back. Let's not make it seem like Rohan just got walked over. Yes, he was knocked out. Yes, his corner realized that he was going to get very, very hurt several times. Does that mean that he is not a beast? Absolutely not. And the fact that Nestor can sit there and say that really paints a troubling picture for me. The lack of support there. Is very strange to me. Very, very strange. Now, for somebody like me who has been watching Mbili for quite some time, I remember having bronchitis and a sinus infection at the same exact time. I was sick and broke as a joke. I was training for a fight. Of, no, of course, I ended up in a situation where I could no longer do that, no longer go to the gym. I was very very sick. What I did was turn on my TV and watch some Christian Mbili. I was shocked at how great not only his ring IQ is, but his ability to manage distance within the ring. He's not the kind of fighter who's going to throw a bomb from two feet away. And yes, there are guys like that. 
Let's talk about John Ryder here for a second. John Ryder, he's very well known for doing that. He'll throw an uppercut from the outside. My, my, my brother, my brother, you're not going to land that. So if you want to talk about guys not having acute ring awareness, let, let, let's bring up somebody like Ryder. Let's not just talk about Christian Umbili, who has shown the exact opposite. It seems like people are starting to try to lump him into this category of fighters who just don't have a jab. Such as Pitbull Cruz, who genuinely, no disrespect to him, does not have a jab. I haven't seen Pitbull throw a jab since Tank. I'll keep it real. I have not. We cannot sit here and have rules for one fighter and just completely throw them out when it comes to another fighter. We got to stop picking and choosing in this game. Stop it. Get some help. March 8th, things are starting to heat up for the press right now regarding Anthony Joshua and Francis Ngannou. The Predator versus AJ. That fight is going to be amazing. On the undercard, it has just been announced that Joseph Parker, Big Joe, versus Gile Zhang for the interim heavyweight championship. I believe that is going to be for Zhang's belt because Joseph did not win a interim belt when he took out Deontay Wilder last month. That fight is going to be exceptional. I am very excited for Big Joe, especially when you consider the fact that he just came off of a very big win. A lot of people would just take that Saudi money and go on vacation for a couple of months. You know what I'm saying? Head out, post up in the islands for a little while, not show back up until the summertime. But Big Joe wants to stay active, and I really do appreciate that. The heavyweight division, like I have said many, many times on my show, is incredibly slow. It is frustrating having to sit here and say the same thing in and out over and over again. But it seems like things are changing. I don't have much to complain about right now. The guys at the top are starting to become more mobile, and I like it. I like it very much. But it's unfortunate that it has to be done through Saudi Arabia. If these guys are able to throw money at you to fight, why is it that we can't have American and British promoters do the same exact thing? What's wrong with y'all? Why is it taking foreign money to get you guys to not only work together, but to get you guys to get your fighters moving? A lot of these guys want to stay active, but they can't because they have a limited, firstly, a limited number of spots available. Like we talked about with PBC. PBC has only announced 12 openings. Consider how large a roster is for a boxing promotion. A lot of these guys aren't going to have the chance to fight, despite the fact that they want to. So, once again, why is it that we have to rely on foreign money? Why can't you guys get the bread together? This is shameful, very, very shameful. And I'm tired of people not being confident enough to speak out on it. I know a lot of guys who run their own shows who are not talking about this. They would rather sit back and congratulate these promoters for shaking hands and letting their fighters fight each other than just being honest about the situation. Why is it that we have to rely on Saudi money? It's not bad that we're relying on it. I'm not criticizing Saudi at all. The fact that we are able to even have these fights is a blessing in and of itself. And the fact that the Saudis, Turk Al-Sheikh, is willing to put money up to support these fighters is amazing. Go get y'all bags. 
But at the same time, it's frustrating to have people say, oh man, we're doing so well right now. No, we're not. We're not. Boxing has to rely on one region in order to get these fights to happen. If, if you're not recognizing that, then you probably haven't competed a day in your life. And secondly, you don't watch boxing. So just before we get into some news regarding Stephen Fulton, later on the section regarding Jason Maloney, and even beyond that, some Tim Bradley smoke, let's just get some words from our boys, Francis Ngannou, and of course, Eddie Hearn on the main event. Let's roll it. Little cheeky small occasion up here with uh, Joshua against Ngannou and the little matter being confirmed of almost like a semi-final to Undisputed and, and that's really made me feel great because this fight, Ngannou had everything to gain and what were we doing? We're in a massive, you know, big financial fight, exciting fight for the fans but now, as I said to AJ, just before the head-to-head, -head, two fights from Undisputed. You knock this guy out, then you fight the winner of Fury Usyk, and we've done it all. And that's what I believe we're going to do. So what do you think I'm going to do? Is to find, look for his chin. I mean, that's what happened in the fight. In case you, in the fight, you're trying to hit somebody in the chin or wherever you can hit him, right? And then, uh, yes, I heard that he doesn't have a chin. I don't know if it's true or not. We're going to find out. I hope I had the opportunity to test that out. That's my, that's my witch. That's what I'm wishing for. So Eddie, uh, as to be expected, sounds very confident in his fighter. He believes that Anthony Joshua is going to be able to get the job done. Of course, Francis Ngannou is going to keep it real with us at all times. No matter what opponent it is, whether it's Tyson Fury, John Jones, Anthony Joshua, Philip Hergovich, or Big Bang Zhang, he's going to keep it real. And he's saying it right now. He's trying to find his chin. He really wants to find his chin. And let's keep it 100 like we always do on the DQ with Damani podcast. Ain't no cap in our rap. Francis found Tyson Fury's chin. <laughs> he found his chin. So that man definitely was not invincible. People, for some strange reason, came under the impression that just because Wilder did it, nobody else is going to be able to sit Tyson Fury down. Oh, man, Francis Ngannou, he's not going to be able to box. He's not going to be able to fight. Look what happened. So just be truthful with yourselves. Keep it 100. Not just on the podcast, but in the streets, too. You know that this man, Francis Ngannou, can crack. Let's show him some respect. I also really appreciate the fact that Francis is potentially being considered in the title picture right now. You heard what Eddie said. He said semi-final almost like a semi-final meaning that if francis gets that upset hey who knows you might see him in an undisputed fight <laughs> Whew. stephen fulton is in some hot water his former opponent angelo leo he really wants that get back he wants the smoke he wants the rematch and i'm not gonna lie to y'all i think that after the inoue fight fulton might just have to double back and get this fight done he sounds very game very excited to get back in the ring with him, only if it all comes together. Stephen Fulton is ranked number four right now. Angelo Leo, he is ranked number nine by the WBA. So it is entirely possible. It's a reasonable fight considering that Fulton is just coming off of a loss. Angelo Leo is looking to get back in the good graces and get into the title picture once again. 
Of course, being ranked in the top 10 is still spectacular, but you want to be mentioned alongside the names who have belts. So it's only right that this rematch happens. I think that they should definitely sign that contract and get it done. Let's roll it. No, definitely. I definitely want to get that one back. You know, um, that's definitely on my sights is a, is a rematch. I know it'd be a great, the fight was a great fight. It was an exciting fight. And I think the fans would, would love a rematch. Eventually I'll get it. I know that he's ranked like a five by the WA in a, in the featherweight and I'm ranked number, number nine right now. So it's definitely in the, in the future, you know, it could definitely be a fight in the future. And I would definitely love to, to have that one once again. So, a little refresher on Saturday's card. Christian Invili, of course, who we discussed earlier, got the impressive knockout finish. Jason Maloney went the distance against Saul Sanchez. Of course, anytime you're dealing with a Mexican, you are most likely not going to get him out of there immediately. And of course, if it's coming down to it, those last rounds, you got to turn up the heat. And Maloney did that exactly. Let's listen in and hear what he had to say on his impressive finish. Very tough night at the office. Hardest, most brutal fight I've ever been involved in. Um, but yeah, very lucky. I'm lucky. Very happy to come out on top and walk away with the win. I knew it was a close fight at the end, but I did think that I won the championship rounds when it mattered. When the fight was on the line, I, I stepped up and showed how bad I wanted it and finished the fight strong. And as we look back on the judges' scorecards, that's what got me over the line. And yeah, mate, it was a solid test. Sanchez came to fight hard, but um, yeah, we, we stepped it up when we needed to and took control of the fight and, and finished strong and walked away with the belt. So yeah, good night. But um, yeah, I'm feeling every bit of the fight today. <laughs> I mean, you gotta really respect a lot of these Australian fighters. Tim Sue, Jason, his twin brother, Andrew, these guys have really started to put a name on the map. Australia. Regardless of where they are coming from, they have put Australia's name on the map. And I really love to see it. There are a lot of people who get easily frustrated whenever I say that, but I think that it's true. There need to be more fighters coming from Oceania. There should not just be this weird consolidation of fighters from America, from the UK, just getting these big fights. We need more Japanese fighters. We need more Filipino fighters. We need more Indian fighters even. Australian fighters. I could go on and on and on and on and on, but we need way more competition coming from these countries. Unfortunately, their market for boxing is entirely different from ours. There are a lot of guys who come up from Australia who get stuck there. And unfortunately, that's the harsh reality of boxing. It's not like football where you can have a whole bunch of clubs. You're starting 11. They end up getting into the Club World Cup or they end up making a serious, serious, serious effort and they get pulled over to a team that's in the Champions League. Then you got one guy from Australia, from that starting 11, who's somewhere meaningful. Boxing is not the same. It's not. It's even more harsh. And the chances of you making it into the American market and making a, once again, a serious name for yourself, putting Australia on the map is very, very slim. So let's please show some love for Jason Maloney. Give a round of applause for Jason Maloney, his brother Andrew for being in his corner that fight, and also for Tim Zhu, who was looking to make some serious changes in his division. Show some love for him, y'all.
I never thought that I was going to report on this, but seems like a lot of the older fellas are <laughs> getting a little smoky. It's it's starting to get a little hot in here, guys. I I don't know what's going down with Tim Bradley, Andre Berto, <laughs> Amir Khan, Kel Brook, but seems like the older folks are starting to lace up their boots again. And uh, I'm not talking about training. Take a listen to what Tim Bradley had to say. Towards Amir mm-hmm. Khan ever since that day, because I'm saying, dude, like, are you serious? It, it doesn't matter how old I get. I want to kick your ass, period. Well, so there's an exhibition right there. So if I got a chance to, it won't be an exhibition. It'll be a fight because I'm going to oh. knock his ass out. So you'll Fact. be running for the first time in seven years. Yeah, I will be running. So Amir Khan, if you see this, if you see this, man, and you want to do an exhibition, bro, and you want me to come over there to England and sleep you, I, I will. I will get up for you. I Bradley versus Khan. I'm doing the show. I will get up for you. No yeah. doubt about it. <laughs> I don't know about y'all, but I don't think that that needs to be an exhibition. I think that that needs to be a professional fight. Both of them need to come out of retirement for real, for real. Because if this fight is just going to be an exhibition and you're talking about knocking them out, then what's the sense in having the exhibition in the first place? Just make it a real fight. Strange behavior. Respect it. Legends of the game. But I just think that they should come out of retirement. Now, as for Kell Brook, I feel the exact same way. Of course, Special K, we know he's got his orbital issues, but one more one more fight. What's wrong with one more fight? Come on, y'all. One more dance. Let's do it. Let's see it. Now, last thing before we wrap up. Guys had some interesting takes on the situation between Floyd and Ryan Garcia regarding the Devin Haney situation as we reported last week. The fight is off, and people are saying that Floyd is in Ryan's ear. Let's go ahead and take a listen before we wrap things up for this week. Floyd Mayweather giving Ryan the keys, giving him the information. You know what I'm saying? They jogging, probably talking about how we gonna hit him with the left hook. You know, so uh, I hope I hope Floyd giving him all the information. You know, so we can go ahead and get Devin up out of here and get back onto that tank rematch. You know what I'm saying? Because that's what he really wants. And if he go in there and sleep, Devin's tank rematch, easy money, easy money. But he got to put him, you know what I'm saying, face down, ass up. You know, so I'm rooting for Ryan Garcia. Hit that road work, champ. Let's go. Let's go sign the fucking contract. Let's get him on in there. You know what I'm saying? I'm liking this more and more every day. Well, you got to respect the logic. Got to respect the logic. I'm not going to throw any shade or any hate on any of these guys. Obviously, there are going to be some people who are a little uneducated. Some people who are slightly less casual than others. Then, of course, you got your hardcores. And then you've got conspiracy theories. I am not going to sit here and say that Floyd is in Ryan's ear like a little angel on his shoulder or devil on his shoulder. Whichever you want to say Floyd is, depending on how you feel about him. But I have to keep I got to keep it true. I got to keep it true. Spit the facts. I am only the messenger. I hop in the ring. I do what I do come on the show and I tell y'all the truth. I think that Floyd is guiding Ryan to the bad. Is there a relationship there outside of business? I don't know. But according to that video that we all saw, I'm pretty sure everybody's seen that video of Ryan and Floyd together in what looked like either a casino, resort, etc. They were posted up together. It could be a one-off thing. He could be at the TMT gym. We don't know. But one thing is for certain, Floyd is going to give people his blessing and with his blessing comes knowledge. So interpret that how you will. 
next weekend, we've got Sean Strickland, Drikas Duplessis. That fight is going to be very exciting. There will be an episode dedicated to that. Full coverage regarding that fight and all of the upcoming news that we expect to have within the week. All coming your way on the DQ with Damani podcast. Once again, I will be linking this week's article in the description. Please go ahead and read that. This is your host, D-A-M-A-N-I, the Tigre himself, the undefeated, soon undisputed. Give me, give me, give me like five years, y'all. Give me, give me five, six years, maybe. Maybe we'll get to undisputed. Just wishful thinking. But still, thank you all very much for choosing this podcast for your weekly source of boxing, combat sports, lifestyle news, and analysis. Please be safe and God bless.